This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. In the coal millions, his eagerly awaited first novel since the number one New York Times bestseller, Beautiful Ruins, master storyteller Jess Walter turns his brilliant, chameleon-like talents to a work of historical fiction, whose themes echo many of the social and political concerns we once again face in this country. The National Book Award finalist here crafts a kaleidoscope narrative of the Northwest that centers on two brothers and the struggles they face in a nation on the brink of change. The birth of the American labor movement, the last hurrah of the robber barons, first wave feminism, freedom of speech and the right to protest, corporate corruption, class, race, these hot button issues converge and combust in this powerful, highly entertaining tour de force. Jess Walter is the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Beautiful Ruins, the national bestseller, The Financial Lives of the Poets, the National Book Award finalist, The Zero, the Edgar Award-winning Citizen Vance, Land of the Blind, the New York Times notable book, Over Tumble Graves, and the story collection, We Live in Water. Makes his home in Spokane, Washington, with his family. Happy to have Jess Walter join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Jess, welcome to this program. Thanks, Steve. So where did the idea for the coal millions come from? Wow, um... It came from five or six different places. Way back when I was a newspaper reporter, I was just fascinated by the fact that um, that these uh, free speech riots had erupted in my city and that the progressive movement had had a sort of dawn here um, with the industrial workers of the world, the Wobblies. Uh, and so it was just something I had always filed away. I also always wanted to write a kind of um, late, late period Western in which all of those forces that um, come together with big archetypal characters. And so I think it was really those two impulses. And then I come from a working class family and, you know, wanted to write about what I felt um, was the in- income inequality I was seeing now that really just felt echoed in that period, 1909, the end of the last Gilded Age. Yeah, your grandfather was a rancher, right? And your father a lifetime union officer? Yeah, both of my grandfathers at one time rode the rails looking for work. They were both itinerant workers uh, later than the period of my novel in the 1930s. But um, my rancher grandfather used to tell me stories about chasing down trains on the on the edge of town. And there were there was a kind of adventure to it. it uh, as a kid, I loved Treasure Island and it felt like stowing away on a pirate ship, jumping on a train and showing up in another place to work. Um, uh, but and yeah, my dad was a lifelong uh, union guy who worked at an aluminum plant. I, I'm a first generation college student and the first male in my family to graduate high school. So for me, it was a, a way, almost a kind of origin story for my family alongside my hometown, Spokane, Washington, which, um, you know, I, I had always wanted to write about this period when it was this thriving place on the verge of moving from a frontier town to something big and modern. Chatting with Jess Walter here on Speaking of Writers, his new book is The Cold Millions, a novel. Let's talk about these characters. Gig and Rye Dolan, what are they like and how did you create them? Yeah, you know, I... uh... My my own brother and I are so close, and uh, that I sometimes find myself writing about brothers, both the the um, uh, responsibility of caring for one another and the, the sort of instant camaraderie. Gig is um, a kind of autodidact. Uh, he's he fancies himself a thinking man and um, can talk his way out of trouble. Is is wildly appealing to 
to women. And uh, he's 23 when the novel starts, and his younger brother Rai is 16. Their parents are dead, and they are moving from town to town, hopping trains, um, trying to get jobs in in log camps and on farms. And um, and so when the novel picks up, Rai is much less um, much less enamored with. Um, these labor um, uh, demonstrations that are happening in Spokane and uh, and really just wants, you know, a place to settle down to call his own. Um, whereas Gig, I think the romanticism of, of, of these socialist uh, movements really is what sort of uh, sweeps him away. It was interesting as I was writing the novel, I chose really young characters in part because watching... Um, protests in the last few years driven by young people, whether it's the Parkland shooting uh, survivors in Florida fighting for for um, reasonable gun laws or students walking out of school for climate change or the recent Black Lives Matter protests. The, the way young people's idealism pushes them along really made me want to choose these two brothers. Um, I named them Gregory and Ryan, and then uh, as a way to sort of think about the present day, I thought, um, as nicknames that gig and rye was a kind of uh, rye allusion to the gig economy. So that made me quite happy. My guest is Jess Walter. His new novel is The Cold Millions. Jess, what was your primary challenge in writing this novel? And what are the challenges writing historical fiction? It's funny, whenever anyone starts the question with, was it hard? Um, I just say yes before they even finish the question. <laughs> writing novels in general always trips me up each book is like a first novel because you've never written that one before. Specifically writing historically about the place you're from. Um, w- one of my favorite authors of all time is an Albany author, William Kennedy. And I love the way he, he swirls um, uh, the real place in with his fiction. And um, growing up, I, I knew that there were great writers that came from the South, but it was really William Kennedy's depiction of Albany that made me realize that that you can make almost any great place a character. And I say almost any because they have to have a sort of authenticity and they have to be like characters. They have to stand up on their own and, um, and, and be unique and, and as compelling as a great character. And so for me, um, one of the big challenges was knowing where to break away from that real history. I joke that, that I, I researched this novel so completely. I, you know, I knew how much a stake would cost in 1909 and which train you would take to get somewhere. But at some point, you have to fire the whole research department and turn it over to the fiction people. And um, and I think that was the most challenging thing was knowing how closely to hew to the real events and when to let the fiction writer take over. Jess, did you always know that you were a pretty good storyteller? Um yeah, I think I always suspected. I really, you know, growing up in a family without too many books and and without, you know, knowing any authors, I didn't go on a plane until I was in my 20s. And so um wasn't really exposed to the world. And so I did know that I was a storyteller. I didn't I, I didn't really think that becoming a novelist was in the cards for me. It was one of my two daydreams along with playing, being a professional basketball player. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you get rewarded in school for writing well. And, uh, and I think by the time I was 13 or 14, I used to go to the library and crouch down in the stacks and daydream my, my novels 
sliding in the W section right after Kurt Vonnegut. And so, um, yeah, I think I always felt like this was something that I wanted to do and um, have just been so uh, lucky to have the daydream come true. Do you always know the motives in advance of your main characters? Thankfully, no. I I tend to I tend to approach them from the outside in. I read once that an actor will sometimes start a character by choosing a hat, and that's often how it is with me. Um, I I get to know the characters as time goes along, and then in constant process of rewriting. Um, and find myself surprised to find out things about them. I didn't know one of my hobo characters, Ry Dolan, would be a clothes horse until I wrote a scene where he was um, shopping for gloves and later looking for for uh, um, a suit. And no, I, I think it's one of the great joys of fiction. And it's and I know yeah, I always found it sort of suspicious when writers. Uh, start into that mystical business about about characters acting on their own. But I think sometimes you can get so caught up in writing these characters um, outside yourself, being in the interior of someone who's outside yourself, that it can almost feel like they surprise you. And that's a great joy for me. Um, uh, and I also think it's kind of a canny way to write fiction, because if I'm surprised, I have a feeling the reader will be also. You mentioned you do a lot of rewriting. What's the best writing environment for you? You know, I have a great office. Um, I Because I live in Spokane, which was really, really did peak at the turn of the 20th century. I've lived in three straight hundred-year-old houses, um, all wildly affordable. And this one has a carriage house. Uh, and so um, I write in my carriage house. I'm surrounded by books I love. I have um, the most comfortable reclining chair and the most comfortable napping chair ever. And um, I, I write and then I plop down and read and I write some more. And, um, you know, for me, it's just the quiet uh, to be able to immerse yourself in the thing you're working on, to be able to hear the music of the sentences and feel the world that you're creating wash over you and, block out everything else that's going on, even elections, if you can pull it off. <laughs> you mentioned a couple of authors that you love. You've mentioned you're surrounded by books you love in that carriage house. Who would you want to write your life story, Jess? <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, uh, I, I've toyed with writing a memoir myself, but it uh, seems like such a boring topic. I always joke that... Um, when people were doing stories on me that it was like an onion story area man refuses to leave hometown. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure that my life, I think I'm better chronicling other lives than maybe having mine. Written. Are you working on another novel? And if so, can you give us a sneak peek into what it's about? I am. I, I tend to, to swing wildly from one thing to the next and having spent the last, five years in 1909 and um and even though i think the novel has some real comic sides it's also pretty serious in it uh and you know there's violence and and it really tries to capture um this moment when the when the world felt like it was breaking apart so i want to write something contemporary and lighter um i've been working on it for a while it's 
um, got some romance and sex in it, and it's much funnier. Uh, and I even have a working title, which I'm sure I'll throw away, but I, I'm in a group that reads Shakespeare plays, and I'm one of those people who hear spoonerisms all the time, and we were reading The Merchant of Venice, and I heard it in my mind as The Virgin of Menace. And so uh, the novel I'm working on, I jokingly called The Virgin of Menace. It sounds to me like a great 40s noir story. Jess Walter, the book out now is The Cold Millions. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Steve. And this is Speaking of Writers.